We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rob Dolcher here. I got Jeff Goodman with me. Hell no. John Fink. Are we still live? Build a 68 till I die. I'm sorry, man. I blacked out. Randolph children. DJ Khaled, you know the big DJ Khaled guy? Hands grow up and in. Goodman needs to be fired all the time. Josh Pastor. You're going to beat people straight up. You know the deal. They have no swag. They have no nothing. Darrell McNeil. From the bluest of the blue bloods to the smallest of the mid-majors. This is Field of 68. After that. Hello and welcome to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. My name is Rob Doster. I'm joined tonight by Jeff Goodman live from the Graduate Hotel in Bloomington, Indiana. And I'm also joined by Randolph Childress, who, as you can see, is pouring himself up a little drink. The Wake Forest legend has something to celebrate tonight. We're going to talk all all about that here in just a second. Kentucky beats Alabama in one of the most comprehensive wins that we've seen from anybody this season. Houston and Baylor played one of the most entertaining college basketball games that we've seen this season. The Big 12 is completely nuts. We saw a number of national title contenders and Final Four threats find a way to land bounce-back wins today, and the Mountain West may have blown up all of that great work that they did uh, heading into the season. We're going to get into all of that, but the place that we have to start, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly where you think we need to start. Wake Forest... After beating Duke today in Winston-Salem, their fans stormed the court. One fan made contact with Kyle Filipowski. Uh, It looked like it injured Kyle Filipowski's knee. Hopefully, it's not something that's too serious and based off the way that the Duke players were reacting after the game and in the postgame. It does not appear to be all that serious, but it is something that brings up a conversation that we need to discuss more and more, and that is whether or not court storms are something that should be happening in college basketball. Duke head coach John Shire spoke on the incident after the game today, here is the audio from his press conference tonight. Disappointed we lost. Uh, but look, for me, it's I'm more concerned about the, the well-being of our guys. You know, Flip sprains his ankle. When are we going to ban court storming? Like, when are we going to ban that? Like, how many times does a player have to get into something where they get punched or they get pushed or they get taunted right in their face? And it, it's a dangerous thing. And I don't want that to take away from the game that Wake played. Because Wake played a big time game. Salas was as good as could be today. And and hats off to them. But you look around the country and Caitlin Clark, something happens. And now Flip, I don't know what his status is going to be. He sprains his ankle. And it's one thing, like when I played, at least it was 10 seconds in the court, you know, you would storm the court. Now it's the buzzer doesn't even go off and they're they're running on the floor. And this has happened to us a bunch this year. Um, it's part of it. I don't want this to take away at all from Wake. They earned it. They deserve the win. Steve is a hell of a coach. I respect the heck out of him and his team. They're, they're really good. And if this is an example that they need to be in the tournament, what are we even talking about? So I'll answer any questions. But for me, that's hats off to them. We need to be better. We need to learn from this. Uh, but uh, that needs to stop. That was John Shire talking about the court storming incident that we saw tonight in Winston-Salem. It's not the first time this year that we've seen uh, a player get contacted by a fan. Um, Caitlin Clark got hit by an Ohio State fan earlier this year in a court storm. Randolph, you've been involved in these. Um, why Why has it gotten to the point now where we're seeing this level of uh, – 
this many issues involved with the court stormings and with fans? Rob, it's it's been it's been brewing for a while for so many different reasons. I mean, now there's it's I'm indifferent with it to be honest. I mean, I, I understand that if they wanted to get rid of it, uh, I understand it. Um, I mean, what happened to Flip today? Even as a Wake alum, I mean, I'm I'm hoping he's okay. I actually have Duke's next game, so I'm hoping that he's okay and he's available to play. Uh, but a part of me, from an experience standpoint, wants this just to can we just hold them off for 15 to 20 seconds and allow the visiting team to lead the locker room? I just think it's a, it's just a festive deal. Like for a team like Wake, I'm super happy because it's a clinching win. It's bigger than that. As an alum, I'm happy that we go because I think it clinched us to being in the tournament. And for a program that hasn't been to the tournament in seven years and I don't know how many years prior to that, uh, it, it, it means a lot. So I'm happier than as if I was still there you know, with the staff. I mean, I'm, I'm super happy for the game and, and and the significance of what it means. And I don't want that taken away by this moment. So, again, I'm hoping Flip's okay. But before, like, everybody's all, like, banish it, banish it, banish it, and all that. I mean, it's still college kids. Even though this is a business and it's a million-dollar business, I wish we could figure out a way to keep it. Um, you complain about having interaction with kids coming to a game, and that's part of something they want to do. Now, again, can we hold them off a little bit better? Yes. And I think that's probably the thing to do. Um, so I don't want to overreact to it one way or the other. I, I just think that it's it's part of the game. I hope we can continue it and just kind of alter it a little bit and not be so, you know, like some of these guys are just reacting in the media like somebody got shot. I mean, some of you guys like just, man, relax. Like, <laughs> cut it out. Uh, all I'll say is this, Jeff. I, I do think that – we have a shot clock in every single college basketball arena. That shot clock is 30 seconds. After the game goes final, if you could tell that there's going to be a court storm, just turn on that shot clock. And when the shot clock hits zero, after the game ends, that's when you storm the court. You still get the countdown. You still get the experience. You still get the party. You still get those memories. You still get to have uh, the thing that is special about college basketball, which is courts. I, I do think that it's something that is – very unique to the sport and part of what makes it special, but you got to find a way to make it safe. And I think the key is being able to give the visiting team time to get off the floor. Let's talk about the game itself. So Wake Forest, 83, Duke, 79. Hunter Salas got 29 points on 11 for 13 shooting. RC, we're going to let you have your moment here in just a second, okay? I want to go to Jeff first because it's been six minutes. He hasn't said a word, and I know he's over there itching like a guy that hasn't had a cup of coffee all day. So, Goodman, go ahead. The floor is yours. Wake Forest, did they punch their ticket to the NCAA tournament tonight? Yeah, I mean, listen, this was their biggest one of the year. This was the resume win they needed, the statement win, and, and they got it against, you know, a Duke team that's probably number two right now in the league. But as important as it was for punching their ticket, I also think it was that important for them to get the confidence they could beat a team like this, right? Uh, whether it's at home, whether it's on the road. Uh, Hunter Salas has been good all year. I think the country got to see it today and also got to thinking of, like, what the hell was Mark View doing by letting this dude go and not playing him more the last two years? Because if Mark View still had him at Gonzaga right now, they'd be a locked tournament team, which I think Wake is after today. I think Salas was – again, he was so efficient in, in his scoring. I think he ended up with, what, 29 points – uh, 11 or 13, maybe from the field. He he just made every right decision. He didn't force too much. To be honest, he could have taken another six, seven shots and Steve Forbes wouldn't have argued with him. Uh, but again, he's become their guy and they've got enough good pieces around him. And think about this too, guys. You know, They added um, Efton Reed still. And he's gone through a little bit of a roller coaster ride, obviously, because Again, another former Gonzaga transfer who wasn't eligible till all those two-time transfers, um, you know, were cleared. What was that six weeks ago? You know, so he's still gonna, I, I think, get back to what we we saw with him early on. So uh, Salas has been the guy, and I think uh, RC should be uh, smiling and drinking plenty tonight for his alma mater. RC, go ahead. Iso time, baby. One four low. Cook. No, seriously, it's it's. I'm happy for those guys, but for Hunter Silas, you know those guys, him and Afton. I mean, you're talking about guys like Jeff said was buried on the 
the bottom of the bench and, and couldn't get in a rotation. And then, and then in one year, I mean, I, I think he's, he's right there. I think he'll make all ACC. And, and at this point, the way he's playing, I, I think coach Foles will be lucky if he gets him back in school next year. I mean, you're talking about his size. He's really efficient. I, I was hard on him because I thought he was just too unselfish at times. I think there's times he needs to just take the ball and be like, man, give me the ball and get out of the way. I think that's been the only thing they've been missing and closing out games. And, Man, was he good today? He was he was fun to watch. Yeah, RC, I'll tell you this. Um, I know why we have the quadrant system, and I know how important it is to have to have wins where you kind of I know how important a resume is, right? You got to prove who you can beat to get into the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's right to have the eye test as part of the factors that go into who gets a selection into the dance because you could see a team play great one night and horrible the, the next night. And if you only watch the game where they look good, you're only going to know about the team that looked that good, right? But I will say this. If Wake Forest is not a tournament team, then I have no idea what I'm doing in this business because that is a top 25, top 30 basketball team, and I will die on that hill. Back me up here. I can't argue with it, Jeff, but I, I do understand the concerns of – He's Rob, I, by I the still way. Okay. Know they need, I know, I know we've been doing this show for four years. Four years. <laughs> He's Rob. I'm Jeff, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Hey, D- Dumb and Dumber is the way I see it. It doesn't really matter. Oh, man, man. Here, we Dumb and Dumber. here we go. No, seriously, it, it's, it doesn't matter, man. I, I really I really think that this team was really good. I, I it, They've been that way all year, but they've struggled on the road. So I understood the concerns that they've had, and they needed a win like this. They needed a rent like this against an opponent that everybody knew. So um, could this team continue to improve? I think they've been right there. We saw it when they played Duke at Duke. Uh, they've had games like this all year. I think beating a tournament team uh, was something that they needed to do, and, and more importantly, on the road. They got one coming up at Virginia Tech. They need to do that. They got Notre Dame first. So uh, I'd like to see them do that, but – this was just enough win to say they do belong in. Um, and, they, and anything short of them collapsing here, I think they're in. So as an yeah, alum, I'm just um, happy for that. Yeah, Jeff, they were, uh, just for clarification, that is the second quad one win um, for yes. Wake Forest this season. They were the uh, fourth team out. They were the last team in our first four out in the most recent fielding, the 68 bracket. I do just want to hit you on Duke real quick, Jeff. I, I don't know if there's necessarily much to take out of this. A four-point loss and what was effectively a one-possession game on the road against a team as good as Wake Forest is. I don't think there's any shame in that loss. Um, it hurts their bid for an ACC regular season title. They're now a game behind uh, North Carolina who went on the road and beat Virginia tonight, but I don't I don't think there's anything overarching that you can take away from this other than you know some of the same questions that we've had about Duke all season long. Yeah, I thought actually, if you're going to take something positive out of it, it was it was Proctor playing well, and again, that for me is is kind of the key for this team reaching their ceiling or getting uh, close to it. Mark Mitchell wasn't great in this game, but yeah, everybody else contributed. And I think that's kind of the beauty of this team, right? You know, we see McCain, and and he's been pretty consistent um, really since Proctor went down earlier this season. Proctor's come back. They're still figuring out how to play with, uh, you know, alongside one another. Uh, Flip hasn't been as dominant. I think that's the one takeaway for me out of this Duke team from what we thought, right? Last year he had to carry him. He did. He's not, to me, having that all-American season that some of us thought. And maybe it's just because they've got enough other pieces that he's not the feature guy like he had to be a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, RC, I do want to hit you real quick on uh, on North Carolina. They fell or they moved a game in front of Duke in the ACC regular season standings. They go on the road. They beat UVA fifty four to forty four in a forty minute basketball game. I, I look, there were more points scored in the first half of Kentucky Alabama than there was in North Carolina Virginia. Those games were being played at the same time. I watched both of those games at the same time. That was not the same sport. I don't care what anybody says. If you put both of those games together, you had like a normal college basketball game. It was a surreal viewing experience. The biggest takeaway that I have coming out of North Carolina's win is Cormac Ryan. The last three games, he is 14 for 27 from three. He was six for 11 from three tonight. That was the that, that's the big thing about this group, right? Is we've been waiting for him to get going a little bit. We've kind of been saying like, yeah, they've been really good, but Cormac Ryan still isn't making shots. Well, he's starting to make some shots now. I I thought he's had his moments throughout the year. 
And and I've said this before, he's an underrated defender. I mean, he's a really good defender that I, I even, you know, he got that, I think he got, people misquoted him in a sense of his, his mindset toward on the defensive end of the floor. I mean, at Notre Dame, it was just like, hey, they didn't guard anybody, but he was the one guy that I thought was a good three and D guy. And if you've paid attention to him this year, he's a heck of a defender. He gets after people. He's competing on that end of the floor. And so you get a game like this. I was I, I was wasn't surprised. I mean, Virginia is offensively challenged. And I've said it before, you know, of them making shots, but and I'll elaborate more. I think part of Virginia's problem is that they only have Reese Beekman is the only guy that can really create offense for everyone else. Everyone else needs the system to score. They need guys reading screens and coming off. And when teams are switched in their physical, they struggle with that. They can't create for themselves. And when they just rely upon Reese Beekman, you're not beating a good offensive and defensive team like Carolina. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that kind of sums it up. I, I just look, Jeff, in the last three games, Virginia has scored 49 points, 41 points, yeah. and 44 points. I, I can't I can't take them seriously, man. I can't take them seriously. You haven't broken 50 points in three games. What are we doing here? You know, people people make fun of them and it's hard to defend them now. When they go through a three-game stretch like this, it's really hard to fan yeah. them because it's it's awful. It's like watching those zero-zero pitchers duels, right? Sometimes, or maybe it's like watching a bunch of ten-nothing games, uh, where where again the the loser just can't put any uh, runs on the board, but it gets tiresome. And listen, I saw Jordan Minor at Merrimack. He he led them in re, in in points and rebounds today. That should not happen. He's a nice player but he should not be leading a ACC team that's in the fight or was in the fight a week ago for an ACC regular season title mm-hmm. in scoring and rebounds, uh, period. He just shouldn't. Yeah, RC, Jeff, it's funny, I remember. It's funny that Jeff uh, used the uh, baseball analogy. I used to say that Virginia playing Virginia is like hitting a knuckleballer. You don't know where the hell the ball is going to go. You don't know what it's going to be like, you know, whether, when it, when the game starts. You just get it out there and just figure it out. You know it's going to be low scoring. You just don't know how yeah. it's going to be. And that's just how they are. Yeah, RC, I remember this vividly. On Saturday, February 10th, you and I sat on this very show, and you said, Tony Bennett, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize, Tony. I take it all back, yeah. everything that I ever said. Are you ready to take back the apology that you just no. took back? No, no, <laughs> because I think this is the least talented team that he's had. And I think that they're still, for them to finish as high as they finish, I'm still a Tony Bennett fan. I, but I, I don't think this is as talented team as they, I, yeah, they had in a long time. Yeah, this is not the most talented team that he's uh, he's ever had. Coming up, we need to talk about Kentucky win over Alabama. Justin Edwards, he showed up, man, 28 points, 10 for 10 from the floor. What does this mean for the Wildcats? That's next. What's going on, guys? Before we get back to the show, I need to let you all know about the Field of 68 Daily, an all-encompassing college basketball newsletter that arrives in your inbox, you guessed it, daily. For less than a dollar a week, you'll wake up every morning to more than 1,500 words detailing everything that you need to know to stay up to date on the world of college basketball. From the notable mid-major upsets to the stars that are out injured to the breakout performances that only our team of college basketball junkies watched. The Daily is edited and produced by Mike Miller, who spent more than two decades running NBC's digital written content and is subscribed by more than half of the Division One coaching staffs, the biggest names in college basketball media, and the agents that work as power brokers in the sport. For just $50 for the year, you get access to the same information that the insiders get. And before we get you back to your regularly scheduled Field of 68 content, let me tell you guys about the Field of 68 merch store. Head over to fieldof68.shop for officially branded Field of 68 apparel. Whether you're supporting your favorite team in the student section or from the couch, there is no better way to gear up and the latest from the Field of 68. The best thing I can say about our merch is the quality of the product. Anyone that has ever worn a t-shirt knows how frustrating it is when the neck gets all stretched out and the bottom of the shirt starts looking like the bottom of bell-bottom jeans. And there's nothing worse than a hoodie that loses its snugness that makes it such a perfect way to stay warm during the cold winter weather. Whether you're shopping for yourself or for the college basketball fan in your life, everything you need is at the Field of 68.shop. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Rob Dawson, Randolph Childress, Jeff Goodman. We are live over on Sirius XM Channel 84. That's College Sports Radio. And we are presented by our partners over at Bet MGM Sportsbook. Uh, speaking of Bet MGM, I need everybody to send their thoughts and prayers out to Trevor. Um, Trevor Release, our producer. Uh, Dalton Connect had 24 <laughs> points. If he went for 25 points, Trevor would have hit a nine-leg parlay that would have uh, – would have cashed out a nice chunk of money for him. He would have retired. Trevor would have retired tonight. He, I don't know if re- retired is a little bit strong, but uh, he would have been popping bottles when we make it out to Vegas in uh, in about three years. So uh, everybody, just you know, send your condolences out to Trevor. That's that's a rough one, man. That, that's a really rough one. Listen, we got to talk about Kentucky and Alabama because this was as comprehensive. Uh, of a performance I think we've seen from Kentucky uh, on both ends of the floor all season long, uh, especially in the first half. I thought in the last 10 minutes of the first half was the best basketball that we've seen out of the Kentucky Wildcats this season, considering the, the opponent and considering how well they played. Justin Edwards had 28 points, 10 for 10 from the floor. Zvonimir Ivasic, 18 points, five boards, four blocks. Antonio Reeves went for 24. DJ Wagner still started, still struggled, but I actually thought he played uh, struggled shooting the ball. But I actually thought that he played pretty well tonight. Goodman, well, I, I just I don't even know what to make of Kentucky at this point. They have the win at Auburn, then they go and blow a 15 point lead at LSU, then they come home and they have this performance tonight. Is this are they just Jekyll and Hyde? Is this just what it's going to be with Kentucky all season long? Because every time I watch them, they play well. I fall a little bit more in love with this program. But that's kind of what we've been saying for months, right? Early on, they came out of the gate so strong. We were like, oh, my God, like this team's just going to keep getting better and better and better. And then they started to play like freshmen, which was their inconsistency started to show, especially in the defensive end. But even offensively, they weren't humming like they were the first month of the year. Um, I love the fact that Justin Edwards showed up tonight because he's been kind of like their eighth man most of the year right it's almost like the forgotten man and and he was by some people the highest rated freshman I thought he might be their best freshman this year to be honest um because of his size big strong you know wing that could physically be able to to contribute right away um but tonight you know they were they were clicking on all cylinders offensively and like you said they weren't as good as they were against Auburn defensively. But again, they held Alabama, one of the best. You know what stood out to me, Jeff? You know what stood out to me? We heard Antonio Reeves say this um, after the game, when you interviewed him at Auburn, right? And we heard a couple of the guys kind of reference this. I think Cal referenced it a little bit in the postgame press conference there, where they said part of why they had their struggles, it was three straight games at home that they lost. Um, and all three had like insane, like really, really good crowds for Rupp Arena. And they said that they were kind of nervous playing at home. Like, do you think that part of part of this was they kind of got rid of some of those demons? Like, they did not look like they – it felt like they exercised something. Does that make sense? Like, it, this was not a team Maybe. that looked like yeah. they were shook. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know if they believe that, but I, I feel like here's the thing with John Calipari. He is the master of getting them to believe something. Even if it's not true, he's going to get them to believe it's true. And I think that's what he did with those guys. He got them convinced that on the road, you're loose. You're loose. You're better on the road. And they went out there and what? They beat Auburn in in as hostile environment as there is. 
he's the ultimate in mind games. And, and, and that's where Cal is elite level, right? And, and, and figure out the bu- the buttons to push with each player and overall on the team. And, you know, again, they just had so many weapons tonight. You know, uh, Big Z or Little Z turned back into Big Z. Um, Justin Edwards was as good as anybody in the floor. Reed Shepard was terrific. Reeves was himself. You know, they don't – they haven't needed DJ Wagner to be great since he came back from the injury. He's kind of moved into that kind of eighth-man role. And he can be – you know what? You know what he can be, Rob? If he can be their best perimeter defender, don't even give us anything offensively. We don't care. We just need you to defend mm-hmm. at the highest level you possibly can. And maybe that gives him a little bit of a chance because ultimately if they don't guard better, even than they did today in stretches, they're not going to go to the Final Four. Yeah, Randolph, what are your thoughts? I think it's the best offensive performance we've seen this year on the offensive end of the floor. And, and not to be discredit them defensively, uh, uh, you know, playing Alabama because they space you so well, they shoot the three and then they drive you. So you can see them making a commitment sometimes where they were like, look, we got to guard the three-point line. And then let's just force these guys. And they they gave up some layups where you were kind of looking like, like, damn, they just olayed them. But they were so worried about the three-pointers. And I think it was a conscious effort. But when they scored 58 in the first half, I'm like, wow. And then they came out and followed that up with 59 in, in the second half. I mean, it was flat out just a, an impressive performance against a hell of a team. I mean, Alabama's a damn good team. And and Kentucky just handed them their, their tails tonight, a 22-point win at home. But I, I think it's the best offensive performance we've seen for a team that has that type of talent. We've never questioned the talent. I think tonight we saw them play as well as they can play on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, there's still things we, you know, you'd like to see from them a little bit more consistent on the defensive end. But it felt as though defensively, schematically, they were just like, look, stay home, just guard your guy one-on-one, guard your yard, and try to take away threes and force uh, Alabama in, 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 into one-dimensional, just scoring in the paint. And uh, But offensively, wow. I mean, I, I don't know what you say about that. that that's not going to happen again for sure. But well, part of know, it is because Alabama's it could, it could, RC, it could happen no, again with the dudes on this team. Like the, no, it could. No, part no, of it no, is no. because Alabama guards less than Kentucky does at this point. But it, like, right, right. Like, come on, man, that could definitely happen again with with this group. Maybe not Justin Edwards going nuts like this, but they got they got firepower. You know what? No, hey, they can hey, score. Nate Oates, Nate Oates had a quote after the game, and he said, "Hey, listen, uh, I, I'm paraphrasing. We've had we've had people question our defense." Um, you know, all year. We erased those qu- questions tonight. We don't <laughs> guard worth a shit. That's what he was <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. man, I thought yeah, I, I was watching an 80s NBA game. I, I, I thought it was yeah, going to be yeah. like 120 to 115 or something like that. I thought it was an old 80s. NBA game. What about a current NBA game? What, what, what do you mean That's 80s? True. A current That's NBA true. game. It looked like the all-star game for, for being totally honest. I do want to say, like, I do just want to say real quick, your point on the defense event, um, giving up 95 points, uh, that that's a lot of points, but it was on 80 possessions and it's against the best offensive team in college basketball. Just to put it into context, they gave up 95 and they dropped like two spots in Ken Palm's defensive efficiency numbers. Like this was, uh, all things considered like a pretty decent defensive performance. And I thought that their game plan was, Actually, pretty sound. And the thing that stood out to me is that it felt like it looked like they actually executed what the game plan was really, really well for the majority of this game, which was basically anytime someone's driving to the basket, if you're in the corners and it's on your side, stunt and recover. Show and get back to your man. Don't give up the three. Give up the layup if you have to. They basically decided that in pick and rolls, they were just going to play two on two and weren't going to help off any of the shooters. And we're going to say, if you're going to beat us on lobs, try to throw it over. Uh, you got on Yesu and, and see if you could figure it out there. And it worked pretty well. And uh, it just, to me, the biggest thing for Kentucky was the execution on that end of the floor. And it seems like in, I would say, probably six and a half of the last eight halves of basketball we've seen from Kentucky, they've been somewhere between good to really damn good on the defensive end of the floor. And I just think that with where that is trending, that's a good sign, which leads me into my next question here okay so if alabama is going to guard like this i can't take them seriously as a national title contender right now right auburn as much as i want to be in because of what their metrics are and how how they play in that system i can't fully buy into the guards at this point i think right now if you're looking at it tennessee 
is probably the best title contender in this league. They just beat Texas A&M by 35 tonight. Dalton Connect didn't get 25. He only had 24, but he's the best player in that conference. And I would make the argument that they're the best defensive team in that conference. So to me, they're the best title contender. If we're just looking at the last four games from Kentucky, right, and we kind of throw out the, 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 the stuff that went bad in the middle of January, RC, how close is Kentucky? Like, is this actually a team that you think can make a run to a Final Four? Like, is are they in that same conversation as, as Tennessee is? Because the consistency is a worry for me. But, like, every time I see them do this, I'm just like, look at that. Look how good they are. What we know is Tennessee is really good defensively and they're good enough to win games in a tournament. And now they have an offense. So we're if we're betting, we're betting on Tennessee because we've seen it. Kentucky's ceiling is higher, but they also can disappoint you because they don't guard it consistently. They haven't guarded consistently all year. Are they capable of doing that? We saw them execute a game plan tonight. So I think that's the concern. But if you're asking me which team that if I had to pick between the two, that I would bet would make it to Phoenix, I probably would lean more towards Tennessee. But I, I just like the experience. Mm-hmm. Goodman? Yeah, I mean, they got all the pieces. Like, like RC said, they don't have the upside Kentucky does. They're not going to, you know, their A game isn't going to be Kentucky and it's A game. No. But they're going to play a whole lot more B games than Kentucky's going to play. We've seen it. It's a roller coaster ride uh, for Kentucky, not as much so for, for Tennessee, especially once they got uh, Zakai Ziegler healthy. Uh, and back, you know, he, he was obviously coming back from the injury to start the season, took him a little bit. Uh, then he hit a little bit of a wall. He, he's I feel like he's got kind of got his group back. And obviously they got a dude like the beauty of Kentucky is they got a bunch of dudes. But like Dillingham, still the guy you want the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Tennessee, it's clear cut. It is clear cut. Roles are clearly defined on this Tennessee team. That is not the case to me. Within Lexington right now. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, I just when it comes down to it, uh, I think you have to back Tennessee for for the team that is the most likely to win the title. But I just I can't get over what Kentucky could be when they are at their best, and it's probably going to bite me, and it's probably going to burn me once we end up putting together well, these brackets. Well, and two years ago, I mean, here. hey. Two- Two weeks ago, Rob. Two weeks ago, we should we should have Dagan Hughes, our producer, mm-hmm. replay your comments from Rob two weeks ago when you put Cal in the hot seat. You basically fired him. You said their defense wasn't even fixable, and now here mm-hmm. you are two weeks later saying, "Yeah, yeah, they may be the best team in the SEC again, and they could be a Final Four team." That's Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I said the That's same thing. I said the same thing about their defense after the the loss at home to Gonzaga, and I don't walk back anything I said in the like in any of those shows. Because it was true in that moment. And right now it's every also Kentucky true. Every Kentucky fan is thinking the-, the same thing as you. Every Kentucky yeah, fan yeah. is – every realistic Kentucky fan is thinking the same thing as you. It's a roller coaster this year. Yeah, it's and I'll, I'll tell you what. I, I do think that it's better to be this roller coaster kind of a team where when you are at your best, it is some of the most entertaining and fun and enjoyable, ba- enjoyable basketball we've seen at the college level sure. in a long, long time. And when it's at its worst, like – at least you could say this, the, it's going to be really, really bad. And there is something, at least from the outside, that's kind of entertaining about seeing. It's, it's either going to be you're watching like the Showtime Lakers or you're watching a car crash. And there's something to be said. At least you're going to be entertained, right? At least there's going to be something to look at. Listen, when we come back, we got to talk about Houston's win at Baylor because I think that was as good and as well played of a basketball game we've seen all season. That's next. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 as we all get ready for the best month of the year, March Madness. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, you can use the bonus code FIELD150 and you will get $150 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's the best part. All you need to do is deposit and bet $5 of your hard-earned money. This is how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using the bonus code FIELD150. That's FIELD150. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $150 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure you use that bonus code FIELD150 when you sign up. 
And remember, BetMGM is now available in one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in Philly or New York, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create a new account in each state. It's easy, it's simple, and it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the conference tournaments and for the NCAA tournament. Bet insurance tokens college hoops odds boost and my personal favorite a nice little parlay boost here and there so download the bet mgm app and sign up today welcome back to the saturday evening edition of the field of 68 after dark rob doss randolph childress jeff goodman we are live over on youtube and we are live over on sirius xm channel 84 that is college sports radio gentlemen we got to talk about what happened in the big 12 today we'll start in waco where baylor and houston played an absolutely thrilling college basketball game which is it was pretty much the epitome of everything that i love about this stupid sport that we we all pay so much uh, invest so much time and pay so much attention to right houston is up by 16 at halftime baylor comes out and makes a run all the way back they tie the game at a very nice 69 with four and a half seconds left. Eve Missy steps to the free throw line, misses the game-winning free throw, right? You come back, Jamal Shedd bangs home a game-winning three, which ends up getting waved off because it came uh, after the whistle. In the overtime, Eve Missy misses a layup, has a ball squirt out of his hands, commits a uh, an offensive goaltending on a shot that was going to go in, and Houston goes on to find a way to win in overtime. It was messy. It was weird. It was entertaining. There were times and it was really high-level shot-making. There were times where it looked like neither of these teams had ever practiced the sport of basketball before in their entire lives. Jeff, what is your biggest takeaway from Houston's thrilling 82-76 to win over Baylor in Waco? That, that they can they can score. That they can score. I I still worry about them offensively. So when I see, uh, you know, Sharp uh, get going, and and we know Shed and Cryer can get it going. That's not the question. But when you add a couple other dudes, and Roberts gave them something down low tonight, which I think they need. You know, again, I know it's always Houston's bigs. What do they do? They rebound. They screen. They run the court. They finish. But they're not offensive options. Well, like. They got to give them something offensively. They got to give them a little bit more than they've been giving them. And again, I've said all year with Arsenal going down early, I felt like Emmanuel Sharp was the X factor for them, and he delivered today. Randolph, I, I agree, Jeff. I think I think Roberts has to be the guy on that front line to give them some scoring. But backcourt wise, I think Sharp is showing us Emmanuel Sharp is showing us he can be that third consistent perimeter score for those guys and. And we've said it earlier this year. They're they're better offensively than they've been in, in years past, and better offensively than they were last year. They're still the same tough defensive team, but this team has much more offensive firepower, which is why I think this team is better equipped to make a run in the tournament. Unlike last year, where they were just relying on those two guards scoring, and I think this team has a chance to, to because of the way they defend. We know they're going to defend their tails off. But on the offensive end of the floor, they can score. And when they need to give the ball to make give it to guys to make shots, they got guys that can make plays, make shots. Going into Baylor and getting a win, it didn't matter how ugly it was, or you you just you're not winning many games in Waco. You got to go in there and, and, and do what you can. And this team just fought their ass off. We knew they would. And I, I just was it just validated to me what I already thought in Houston it was a big test. Had they lost a game, we wouldn't have batted an eye and said anything negative about it. No shame of losing the game, but this team fought their ass off, and it's why we think they're as good as they are. Yeah. Uh, Jamal, you mentioned Jawan Roberts. 17 points, eight boards, six steals, four assists, three blocks. Uh, that dude does not get anywhere near enough credit for how good and impactful he is on a college basketball game. Like he is the reason why Houston can play the way they want to play is because dudes like Jawan Roberts exist. And it feels like every single year they got another one of these dudes that ends up being Jawan Roberts coming out of the woodwork. Just wait for Javier Francis next season uh, when, when Jawan Roberts ends up uh, moving on. And then they got Jojo Tugler and they got a said, uh, said lock coming up that, that didn't even play tonight. They, they just, a never-ending string of six-foot-nine junkyard dogs with seven-foot-five wingspans. And it's just like, where do you find these people? You got the blueprint. You're making them in a factory somewhere down in Houston. I know you are, Kelvin Sampson. Um, RC, I want to ask you this. Rob. Jamal Shed, 12 points, 10 assists, 
where does he rank in terms of best point guards in college basketball to you? Because I think that the conversation surrounding him is not uh, – I think you can make a very strong argument that he should be a first-team All-American this year, and I don't think that's something that people are saying enough of. I, I told you – when we talked about this before, he's one of the best two-way guards in the country. I mean, there's other guys that can score it, but you're not going to do that against him. And he he spends so much energy on the defensive end of the floor. There's not many. I think he's a better offensive player than Reese Beekman, but he reminds me of a guy like Reese Beekman at Virginia. I mean, just a really good two-way player. I just think he's a better offensive player. And and we talked about Virginia earlier, and not to lament them, but they're in the position that they're in because of the leadership and, and the two-way play of a guy like Reese, Reese Beekman. Shed allows Houston to be where they are right now. And then with these other mm-hmm. guys stepping up, it just enhances their ceiling. But I don't – I'll take him over any two-way guards you can name point guard-wise in the country. And I got no complaints about it. And I'll line up with you any day of the week and feel comfortable with my matchup. Good me. Go ahead. I think you were trying to say something before. I'm sorry. Well, Houston is – they've won 10 of their last 11 uh, in their first year in the Big 12. So they're in first place by a game over Iowa State right now. But they've won 10 of their last 11 in the toughest league in the country. And the only loss, I was there. It came at Fog Allen, where they got dominated. I mean, completely dominated by a Kansas team that played its A-plus-plus plus game. Um, but, again, there's no shame in losing it at Fog Allen. Everybody loses there. Um, what this team, what Kelvin Sampson has done in year one in the Big 12 and he had a team sort of, you know, ready-made for the most part. But, you know, again, they lost some guys via the transfer portal, uh, via the NBA draft that they maybe didn't expect to lose. Uh, Marcus Sasser uh, left, obviously. Uh, they, they lost, uh, shoot, the freshman, the forward. What the hell was his name? The lottery pick. Uh, Jarris Walker. Yeah, Jarris Walker, thank you. So they lost both them. Um you know, they reload a little bit, but but again, you're losing Arsenal that was a kid that was like a top 50 recruit that you thought his sophomore year he would make a jump and be maybe their second best offensive perimeter player. And and that's where I give Shed a lot of credit because he's just done what they've asked him to do his whole career. And now it's like, hey, we need more from you offensively. And he's giving it to him. With with still doing all the other stuff at the highest level. Like RC said, he still guards at a high level. That hasn't given up uh he still runs the team and makes people better so i, I think she had all around I, i'm not sure there is anybody better all around i i still will stand by my guy tyler Kolick, but i think jamal sheds right there with him i think isaiah stevens who i saw the other day from colorado state has carried that team now they lost tonight but man he's like he's like a video game to watch he's so much fun yep Yep the uh, the on off splits for uh, for Jamal Shed on both the offensive end and the defensive end are absolutely staggering. I'm not going to sit here and, and read through the numbers, um, but just it, it's it's as big as anybody that you'll see in college basketball on both ends of the floor. Um, you mentioned Goodman uh, that Houston got worked when they went into Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I do think that we need to talk a little bit about Kansas when it comes to what they are at home and what they are on the road. They won tonight at Texas in a 20 point win. At home, I'm sorry, against Texas at home in a 20 point win. They are two and five away from Foggy Allen Fieldhouse um, in the Big 12. They won at Indiana, who is not very good this year, uh, in a game where they had to come back from 15 down and I think the last four minutes to find a way to win that game on the road. Um, I know that they're Kansas. I know that they're Bill Self. I know that they have all of this talent on the roster, but it's getting kind of hard for me, Randolph, to ignore the fact that they are. Uh, they are somewhere between not all that good and very bad on the road most of the time when they play on the road this season. Is this just a function of playing in the Big 12 and that's just kind of what it is? Or is this a little bit of a larger looming concern for a Kansas team that we already have some questions with, especially with Kevin McCullough again missing another game tonight? There's a big concern with Kevin McCullough being healthy. I think that, that caps their ceiling if he's not there. Let's just start with that. I mean, he's that good. So if he's back, all bets are off. He's good enough to win you a game even when your other guys are struggling. But we don't know how significant his injury is because he's out again. The question with uh, with Kansas is 
what are we getting on the guys on the road? They're road, the road guys. So when McCullough's out, you're asking these road guys to take on a bigger responsibility on the road that we, you know, we were struggling with Furphy and those guys early in the year and, and, and thinking, you know, coming out of nowhere, didn't expect anything from them. Didn't think these guys, Timberlake and these guys were even good enough initially. And then now these guys are figuring it out, but they, they're not going anywhere without McCullough. If he's not back healthy, um, they they can win it in the fog. They'll be home. They'll be good when they're home. But on the road, I, I just don't think they're they're offensive enough because teams are going to scheme them and just sag off them. Mm-hmm. Dewan Harris is a heck of a player, but you're not guarding him out there when you when you throw a lineup out there, and when Furphy's not on the floor and Hunter Dickinson's your best three point shooter, uh, I, I'm not leaving the paint. I'm just going to take my chances. And if you beat me making threes, then I'll live with it. If not. Mm-hmm. Then, then uh, you know, I, I, I think that I'll take my chances that way. So, let's see what happens with these guys going forward, and let's see what the, what the health of Kevin McCullough does for them in the tournament. They need to get him back. He's missed enough games now where I worry when he's going to come back. He needs to come back and get some games under his belt before even a Big Twelve Conference tournament. You know, he's not. This is just a game or two now. It's been time where conditioning and everything else is coming into play. Well, he, Jeff, he comes you got any back. On what's going on with him? Well, yeah, I mean, Bill Self said it after the game today. Like, he doesn't know. Like, he's going to be out the next game. He's not playing the next game. So then you're talking about if you're Bill Self, isn't it more important, RC, to just sit him? Just sit him till the Big 12 tournament. You know you're going to get a couple games in the Big 12 tournament. You're Kansas. You're probably not going out in the first game, even when you get the bye. I would sit him. I would. I'd rest him because if if you don't have a healthy Kevin McCullough, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Like you said, you're not going anywhere in the NCAA tournament. So – uh, sit him till the Big 12 tournament. Not like he's a freshman or a sophomore. He's a fifth-year guy. He's been in the program now. This is his second year. Played plenty of games. You know, to me, the the silver lining in all this is their defense was really good without McCullough, and he's one of their top defensive players. You know, obviously you got Dewan and KJ Adams and McCullough. Um, they were able to hold the Texas team that can score at times uh, to what 67 points today. My worry also with Kansas. They're three for eight from three tonight. They just don't shoot it well. And everybody yelled at me early when I said in the preseason they're not going to be a good shooting team. That Their numbers were pretty good. But it, our own guy, Mike Miller, remember our arguments a little bit with that, Rob? Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, yeah, but it's not a big sample size. It's not. And now we've seen that sample size. They're not a very good shooting team from three. They're not Indiana bad, but but they're not very good. You Jeff, there's that so many teams that do that, Jeff. There's so many teams that do that. They'll look at you'll look at percentages with guys. And then you, instead of looking at the volume and the quality of the overall work, like I'm watching teams, when I watch a team in a scout report, they'll say, oh, they got four shooters. And I'm like, you got a guy that's 24 for like 70-something. Like, yeah, that's a great percentage. But he's averaging one three a game. I'm not fearful of one three a game. I'm not, I'm not looking at a guy that's averaging one made field goal you know, one three-point field goal for for a game as in calling him a shooter. That's right. Yep. Yep. Well, it's even Hunter. Even Hunter earlier this year, he was shooting the hell out of it. And I know he did well last year at Michigan. But look at what he's been shooting in in, in league play. It's not good. It is not good. And, and Harris's numbers are a little bit skewed because, like you said, RC, he doesn't shoot a lot of them. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, real quick. Texas Tech lost uh, at UCF by, I believe that was a 16-point loss. BYU lost at Kansas State uh, in a game where they were competitive uh, early on, but Kansas State ended up running away. Arthur Kaluma had a huge game. Iowa State won at home, Jeff, uh, and TCU beat Cincinnati. What is the biggest storyline, your biggest takeaway from everything else in the Big 12 today? Uh, just that, again, there's a lot of the same in the Big 12. That that's that's my storyline. Other than Iowa State, which is kind of distance itself, right? It's it's Houston, Kansas, and to me, Iowa State's the one who's earned it this year. I mean, TJ has mm-hmm. done honestly. If I'm redoing my my coach of the year rankings, which I think I did the other day, it's like Danny Sprinkle, TJ Otzelberger. They might be one A and one B right now. Uh, everybody else Put some respect is, is on kind Kyle of Smith's name, please. Put some respect yeah, on lost. Kyle Smith's name. They lost tonight. They lost tonight. But yes, he's done a hell of a job too. He's done a hell of a mm-hmm. job. Too. Yeah, Randolph. Anything that you can take away from the Big Twelve today? No, I, I think it's, I, 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 I would. I took the points with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma today, though. 
Just so you know, I will, Smart I will, move. I will, I will say that. That's about the only thing I thought was really good. No, I, I has Johnny Dawkins done enough to keep his job. UCF the That's first year there? I, I think they've got a, a, a enough good wins now. Or a guy sure. that they were rumoring about being on the hot seat. I think I, I, I think it's fair to say he's done enough to validate to kind of get off the hot seat. I mean, you beat Kansas, you beat Texas Tech in your first season, fourteen and twelve. Uh, despite they, everything they lost, that's a pretty good year. Listen, UConn, Arizona, Auburn, Illinois, Iowa State, big bounce back wins. What was the biggest? That's next. Big news, guys! I am thrilled to announce that we have partnered with Autograph a company founded by the GOAT himself, Tom Brady. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to the best college hoops content, fan contests, and exclusive rewards like discounted tickets, all for doing the things that diehard fans like you already do, following your favorite team in the news and listening to podcasts just like this one. When Tom, and yes, I am calling him Tom, we're on a first-name basis these days, co-founded autograph he had one mission in mind change the fan experience for the better it works like this you get all of your college hoops content you want in one place you get articles from your favorite writers pods from your favorite hosts contests from your favorite creators all on the feeds and the sites that you already enjoy but instead of having to go to all these different places it all comes to you in one spot the autograph fandom map but here's the best part. The more content that you consume, the higher you rank in the app. As you consider the level up in status on the app, you can unlock unique rewards curated exclusively for you. So download the free autograph app in the app store and use the referral code F68. That's F68. Or tap in at the link in the description below or in the podcast app of your choosing to start earning points for doing something as normal as listening to this very podcast. It really is that simple. Welcome back to the Saturday evening edition of the Field of 68 After Dark. Randolph Childress, Jeff Goodman. My name is Rob Doster, live on Sirius XM for about another eight minutes here before we head to a throwback version of the Afters. There's nothing better than the Afters on a Saturday night in the middle of college basketball season. Gentlemen, UConn. Bounce back from their loss at Creighton with a 78-54 win over Villanova at home. Arizona bounced back from a loss against Washington State at home to beat the brakes off of Washington tonight. Auburn bounces back from their loss at home against Kentucky with a 97-76 win at Georgia. Illinois bounced back from that choke job uh, against Penn State on the road to beat Iowa um, 95 to 85. Coleman Hawkins had a career high of 30 points there, by the way. When Iowa State bounces back from the loss to Houston with a 71 64 win over West Virginia at home. RC, which one of those five wins was the most impactful? Which was the most important? Who stood out to you the most? Was there anything about any of those five wins that you can look at and say, okay, that means something big picture for this team? Uh, no, I, I, because I expected them all to respond. They were all good teams. Uh, I was ready to, like a team like Arizona. I, I thought with the road trip that they had, I thought the Washington State game, they were going to be really ready to play and take care of business in that one. And obviously they lost that. Uh, but they responded tonight against Washington at home and took care of business. And Caleb Love looked like, you know, looked like an All-American tonight and, and probably wins Pac-12 player of the year, I think. Um, they still got a chance to finish up in the regular season and, and, and get there. But um, I still like Arizona making a run in the tournament. But they they were a team that I needed to see them respond after after laying an egg the other night. And, and I won't even say laying an egg. Washington State is damn good. And they're in first place mm -hmm. for a reason. Not anymore. <laughs> they're not first place anymore, yeah. Jeff. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. How about that? Yeah. Auburn. Auburn for me. We were there, Rob. And they got. Uh, they got beaten pretty good at home, which doesn't happen very often to a Kentucky team that everybody was questioning coming in. They lose Jalen Williams. Bruce Pearl said it about 100 times. He's their second best player. He's our second best. How many times did he say it in that post game? Right? He's our second like probably best player. 27. I think he yes. wanted us to know yes. that Jalen Williams was their second best player. That's just my yes. guess. I think he did too. <laughs> you know who their best player is? You know who their best player is? Jani Broom. 
and he came to broke. play tonight. Another double-double. Uh, Chad Baker Mazzara was awesome, and he needed to move up. Like, you, we watched him in person, and we were like, you can see what he's capable of, but he doesn't always give it to you. And I wonder if it's just sometimes he's not aggressive enough looking for his own. But I thought the key tonight was Aiden Holloway, too. They finally got him back. He made shots. He got his confidence back. So I, I think, again, everything kind of fell into place, and they got a good road win. Not a great one, but, again, beating George on the road the way they beat him, coming back from that loss and Jalen Williams getting hurt, that was huge for Robert. Yeah, Georgia's picked all Georgia's not horrible. Like they're not a they're not a nope. doormat this year. They they've beaten um they got no. South Carolina on the road. They they beat uh Florida State earlier this year. They beat Randolph Childress, Wake Forest, second game of the season. So th- it's not that's not a You know Randolph basketball. doesn't play. You know Randolph doesn't play for him anymore. <laughs> no, no, but I'm just saying, like he's the guy on the sideline. He's the cheerleader. He's got the pom poms and everything on, right? I am. I am. Um, I was shocked. I was shocked with that window. I actually thought Georgia would 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 uh, give it a game. If not, I actually thought that could be an upset. And to see Auburn go in there and, and win handily, I was that was an impressive win coming off that that previous game. Um, yeah. So I, I I I agree with you there. That that's a big win for Joe, for for Auburn. I, I I really thought with the uncertainty coming off that Kentucky game, how they would respond, and and I thought Georgia had a chance at home, and Auburn went in there and reminded everybody of who the hell they were, and they are who we thought they were, and uh, credit mm-hmm. to those guys because they they took care of business tonight. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Illinois here because, and specifically, I'm gonna go with Coleman Hawkins. Because of course you are. That, That's the, your buddy now. Well, he's, yeah. he's he's That's he's tweeting with you now. Like, he's like, you know, he's he, no, no, he no, no. He's off though. social he, media he now. Pretty RC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's RC, funny. he's off social media now because Brad Underwood talked to him and he said, "No more social media. Don't deal with that clown doster anymore. Get the hell off." So he's off now for the time <laughs> being. <laughs> Throw me under the bus. No, look, I, I'll, I'll tell you this: the way that the Penn State game ended. um, was not pretty for him, right? Uh, not not pretty for the, the Illinois team, period, with all the turnovers and, and missed free throws they had on the stretch. But Hawkins specifically missed two free throws that could have put Illinois up four with 18 seconds left and then fouled a three-point shooter with four seconds left that literally lost in the game, right? There's a lot of stuff that went into it, but, like, those two plays lost in the game. And Coleman Hawkins in the past has been the kind of guy where um, I feel like that could have unraveled some things for him. And to come back against Iowa in a game where Illinois was losing for much of the much of the game. They were down in the first half. They were down, I think they were down seven with like six minutes left in this game against Iowa. He had 30. He had five assists. He had five steals. He was nine for 11 from the floor. He was nine for 11 from the free throw line. He was three for five from deep. He played a, a an efficient, um, an efficient, well-played basketball game. And he was the reason that Illinois came back and won this game. It wasn't Terrence Shannon. It wasn't Marcus Domask. It wasn't anybody else. It was him. And to see him come back and bounce back from uh, from that performance, I think, was a big thing, not just for Illinois overall to get this win because they needed it, but uh, for Coleman Hawkins to kind of – because Illinois can't – like, Illinois is not going anywhere unless Coleman Hawkins – he doesn't have to be this guy that gets 30 a career high every night, but he's got to be a guy that is a threat to give you, like, 15 and 8 with a couple seals and a couple assists and bang home a couple threes. And to do that, he's got to be confident. So I thought that that really uh, – that performance stood out. Do you guys want to say anything about UConn? Jeff, you got anything to say about UConn? Twenty-four point win at home. Rip yeah, I mean, Hamilton's name is up in the rafters no. now. I mean, Cam Spencer, you kind of knew he was going to come back and have a big game, didn't you? I mean, he, he's just—he's that type of dude. And and you know, Hurley after that last game, I feel like Hurley just got up in him and just started like growling at Cam Spencer before this game. <laughs> Can't you see it? Like Hurley getting up in his face and just barking at him. To get him going, and uh, and Cam probably started barking back because uh, I think kind of uh, I think Cam's like his 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 other son, uh, but he was great. UConn responded like we thought they would. I mean, listen, they're they're as good as any team in the country. Again, I'm not sure if they're Jeff, a full notch above everybody. UConn, man. He wanted to squeak UConn in. We knew damn well UConn was going to respond today. None of us were surprised by this. Man, put the violin music on. We knew that UConn was going to respond. Stop it, Rob. Just move on, man. We're not dealing with that. 
Hey, look, Randolph, I just wanted to say that, like, since since your, your favorite college basketball team, the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, got a big win, I wanted you to talk about your second favorite college basketball team, the UConn Huskies. We yeah. know how like much I you love this program and team. And they're going to drop one more before the Big East tournament, and I'm still not worried about it. True. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Listen, uh, this has been the Field of 68 After Dark. We are going to end on SiriusXM right now, but if you're still hanging out on YouTube, stick around. We're going to do the afters. We're going to answer some questions. We're going to do best wins. We're going to do worst losses. We're going to do our toasts of the night. We haven't gotten there yet, and we're going to talk about some of the best performances that we've seen in college basketball today. There's a lot of ground that we have not quite covered just yet if you want to hang around we got to talk about the mountain west we got to talk about washington state and we got to talk about some of these bubble teams it was carnage on the bubble today ladies and gentlemen so for randolph childress for jeff goodman i'm rob, uh, rob doster we'll see you in the afters